name is Sister Dominga. Um, I'm a missionary in charity. You might recognize the clothes because we're the sisters of St. Teresa of Calcutta. We have a residence here in Atlanta for homeless women with HIV AIDS. Um, preferably we take the dying and the sickest people. We have one lady who's between life and death at the moment, Marquita, so please keep her in prayer. We also work with about 250 Burmese immigrant families who are catechized in, mostly in refugee camps in Thailand, um, baptized, and then they came here. Uh, we've got um, a group of late teens, early 20s, about 35 of them, very active, very committed, very beautiful kids. Um, we also work with Hispanic uh, families in Forest Park. Well, we used to have a trailer there too, but we still go there and we teach, cate we teach catechism. So that's a quick description. Um, all right, I get to follow up after that. Um, my name is Alex Dixon, um, and I work a healthcare IT startup I'm here in Atlanta, um, and I was just confirmed over the summer. I grew up as a cradle Catholic, but um, due to uh, a few reasons I kind of put it off, so. Hey guys, I'm Madison. I also work in Atlanta. I work for GP, it's a toilet paper company. It's really exciting stuff. Uh, I train people how to sell toilet paper, which is also really exciting. Uh, I am also a cradle Catholic. I kind of fell away from the faith for several years, like high school, college, and then really started to make my way back, like late college and then after college. And I don't know, that's all I got. <laughs> Hey guys, I'm Meredith. Um, this is my husband, Kevin. And I was, yeah. <laughs> what do I do for a living? I am a fitness instructor at the Bar 3 Studio down the road. And I tutor. Where are you from? I'm from <laughs> New Orleans, Louisiana. And I moved here after we got married in January, right before, January before COVID. So like a year-ish, or a little bit over a year ago. And my faith background, I was born and raised Catholic as well as the rest. Um, but. What's your favorite yeah. color? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Kevin. Um, I am from Alabama. Um, been living in Atlanta now for three years, uh, working technology consulting here. Um, me and Meredith were married last January. We just celebrated our one-year anniversary. So we got very lucky. We had our wedding right before COVID. It wasn't even a thing at the time. So we had the wedding day of our dreams. Um, been Catholic all my life. I've uh, been coming to CTK now for three years since moving to Atlanta. And I'm on the 20s and 30s team um, that helps put on these events. Such a stunning panel, as you can see. We have so many great examples of discerning our valley vocation. I'm so excited to be able to ask y'all uh, just all these great questions that I was given, and just I think you'll be able to be really informative, but also just so helpful. Okay, so how this is going to work? I have a few questions. I have 
some for our lovely sister Dominga, I have some for Madison and Alex, and then I have some for Kevin and Meredith. So for our single life, our dating life, and our married life. And we're just gonna start. Let's have fun with it. And then at the end, um, in around like eight o'clock, we're gonna be opening up the audience to questions. So make sure if you have anything brewing, feel free to shout out. <laughs> All right, so the first question I have is for Sister Dominga. And what the question is, is what made you choose this calling? I didn't. Um, <laughs> I could tell you that I never wanted to be a sister. It was not my idea. It was definitely not my idea. Um, so, um, all I can say is that God is very persistent. And thank God for that. And he knows what he's, he was, I hate to admit this, but he was right. Yes, <laughs> he was right about it. Um, so it was, uh, I tried to run away from it for a long time, but it was an overwhelming desire. And when I went to visit the sisters, my intention, conscious intention, was to face this thing, get it over with, and move on with my life. So you see that was a complete failure, and um, <laughs> here I am. Thanks be to God. I wasn't expecting that. that. That's amazing. I love how you said God is always right, even when they may not think it at the time. But that's so incredible. Thank you for sharing that. All right. So Madison and Alex, how did you two meet? And along with that, how did you begin the dating process? We want to know. Let's see. When did we meet? So we met in April of 2019. He's good with dates. I'm not, so I can never remember anything. We met on a dating app, actually, called Hinge, and not your traditional way. Um, I was on Hinge because one of my good friends was on there, and she she's not Catholic, but she is very Christian, definitely a believer, and I'm like, okay, if she can be on Hinge, I can be on Hinge. So I went on there, and I filtered very specifically for Catholic, and... Um, what? Handsome. And handsome. <laughs> and we matched, I was only on there for a couple weeks, and yeah. you were on there for like a week. So we matched on Hinge, and you said something like, oh, I lost you, or something like, he thought, that, I don't know if we were talking before or something, but he was like, where did you go? Do you remember? Oh, you're better. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was probably this kind of <laughs> initial introduction. Um, but, you know, we had the normal kind of icebreaker dating app type stuff for a while, um, and then we eventually exchanged numbers, um, talked about um, Catholicism and all that, and, you know, funnily enough, uh, we spent a while trying to set up a first date, um, and I worked in investment banking at the time, and my hours were, you know, pretty, pretty rough, I didn't really have a whole lot of time, worked on weekends pretty consistently. Um, so we always set a date for like Saturday or Friday, and then I have to cancel last minute um, because of work, and she thought that I was avoiding her. <laughs> and, I was like, okay, if you don't want to like, come see me or go on a date, that's fine. You can just cancel. Like, you can tell me that. It's okay. Like, I 
you have permission to cancel on me? He's like, no, I'm really at work. And he'd be at work at like 11 p.m. on um, Saturday, which was crazy. So he doesn't do that job anymore, which is great. Um, so it took three weeks for us to go on a first date from the time we started talking. But I thought it was a really good time for us to get to know each other um, before we actually met. Like it was kind of perfect yeah, I mean, in that way. Because I, I think a lot of times with dating apps, um, first dates can be pretty awkward just because you don't really you don't really know the person very well. So for probably three weeks, you know, we had like four hour phone conversations and texted a lot. You know, so the, by the time that we actually met in person, um, you know, we, we knew who each other were. We had things to talk about, and uh, that was kind of a blessing in disguise. Once she got over the initial uh, thought that I was avoiding her. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that's how we started dating. <laughs> oh wow! It's really cool that y'all met on Hinge and everything, especially with in the wake of COVID and social distancing. It shows that you just never know when you're going to meet someone, you know. And yeah, I've known a lot of people who are Catholic and have gone on Hinge, and it's been very successful. So that's really great. So time. everyone, go down on Hinge. <laughs> Sort for Catholic. <laughs> but yes, thank you. All right, so Kevin and Meredith, in the same line, um, how did you meet? But also, how long into dating did y'all know that you, like, it was meant to be, like you were the one? Okay, we kind of discussed this one together. Um, we actually met when Kevin was in New Orleans for his brother's bachelor party. Um, you ever heard of a karaoke bar called the Cat's Meow on Bourbon Street? So uh, that's the truth. That's actually how we met. Doesn't sound um, great in a Catholic setting. But... I don't recommend trying to meet someone that way. Yeah, we don't recommend that. Although it was a really great time and we just went up to the top and hung out and talked for many hours. Um, I was with some girlfriends for a birthday and he was, like I said, with the guys and they were gone. I don't know what happened to them. But um, we exchanged numbers and he was gonna be there for the whole weekend. So the next day we actually were able to get together, just us, and um, we just met up somewhere else and had a drink and chatted. And then he was like, oh, I'll see you again. And I was like, yeah, okay, you live in Alabama. That's not gonna happen. And um, for about a month or so, we just FaceTimed and talked, and um, he actually has an aunt and uncle in Metairie, which is right outside New Orleans, where I actually grew up. And he came in town, unfortunately, for a funeral, and we saw each other again, and then, yeah, the rest is kind of just history. We would just started driving back and forth to visit each other on the weekends. Um, Good example. God can work in the most unlikely of places, even even a bar in New Orleans. Uh, what was the next question? How did we? Oh, when did how we? How did you? Uh, no, did you they were they so, were the one for you. I feel like it's not like that. It's not like oh, he's the one. I just know um, you're dating and you're. I. I I think for most people, you don't get into a relationship thinking, oh, well, this is just going to be for a year, or oh, this is just going to be three months. Anytime you start talking to somebody and discerning if that's going to be the path for you as a couple, marriage is most likely the end route or the end goal. And so you're constantly saying, okay, well, once you start to get to know this person better, how, how does this fit into 
what my goals are for my life or what my goals or what I thought would be a marriage one day. Um, and I mean, if it doesn't, then typically you stop dating somebody. So I wouldn't say that it was like aha moment, um, but I would say like within the first couple of months, just really getting to know each other and knowing that we kind of had the same path. Same values too. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think like there wasn't a one moment where it was like, oh, this is the one or one exact thing. But um, I think early on, um, yeah, it was pretty promising. Um, just some of the qualities that we shared and just kindness and how we treated each other, what was important to us as far as faith and family, those things were all in place, right? Um, and we both had the goal of, you know, marriage and, and a family and all that. So I think those were always in line and uh, just took God working out the logistics behind it. But, you know, if he, if he could get us to meet in a bar in New Orleans, then he could work all that out. So, yeah. And then before we go to the next question, I'll add this one really quick too. Because we were long distance until we got married, literally, um, it, we really got to know each other through communicating. And I think just trying, discerning marriage with anyone, then that communication is the key. So regardless of if you, you know, have been dating for six months and you think you're ready for marriage, or if you've been dating for four years, like, um, that has to be in place. Yeah, that's kind of how we got to the point of like knowing, I guess. Wow, such great insight. And long distance relationships are very difficult at times. So that's amazing how God worked all of that out in your lives. It was obviously meant to be. That's so great. Thank you for sharing. All right, so we're going to shift some gears here. Sister Domingo, our next question for you is What is the day in the life of a religious sister like? You really want to know? Yes, <laughs> I do. All right. Um, I like this on paper. It's very predictable. And in practice, it's totally unpredictable. So this is what it looks like, more or less, on paper. We get up at 4.40 in the morning. Uh, we pray between 5 and 6. Um, then we... Uh, we make our beds, we wash our clothes, we each have a little bucket in which we can do that, and um, we do our household chores, and we have holy mass, quick breakfast, and then we um, we go out for a postulate until just before 12, and we come back for prayer, lunch together, we rest for half an hour, we'll be happy to know, and then, um, that's the most popular time for people to call us. I always say, if you feel lonely, just wait for one o'clock in the afternoon. The whole world wants to speak to you. And then, um, after that, we get up. I, we were founded in India, so I think there's an English influence, and we have a cup of tea afterwards. And then we have uh, adoration, an hour, a holy hour. Then we, again, apostolate, we come back for half an hour spiritual reading, pray in divine office together, have supper, um, run around a little bit, uh, and we have recreation and night prayers at nine o'clock. And hopefully, ambitiously, we could be in bed at ten o'clock. But 
So many things happen all the time. So right at the moment, because we have a home for people who are dying, um, at least at the moment, two sisters have to go out before before mass um, to take care of the ladies. And well, there are always numerous emergencies. One, please pray for Beverly, one of our ladies. She came very sick to us, and there's a whole long story, but. Um, Today she learned that she, as well as AIDS and very big heart problems, uh, she's in her late, I think she's in her early 40s, she was diagnosed with serious cancer. So a sister has been with her all day in the hospital with her during this process. And I was gonna try and bring them back before I came here, but they, the doctors still haven't finished with Beverly. So there are lots of things that happen so that it doesn't fit that neat compartmentalization. But that's what we kind of aim at, somehow. Wow. Thank you for telling us about Beverly. We'll definitely be praying for her. Um, but wow, I feel very unproductive with my days now. <laughs> oh, that is wonderful. It sounds like you all really just take the most out of every single second of the day and are just praying and helping the community. It's so beautiful. Thank you. All right, so Madison Alex. So Alex, you went through RCIA. That's incredible. Welcome. Um, I, we were wondering, so how was it going through the RCIA, RCIA process together as a couple? Um, so it was very helpful. Um, so when I met Madison, we were at very different journeys in our faith life. Um, she uh, loves to read and is very knowledgeable um, with regards to the saints and other aspects of the Catholic faith. So whenever we had a discussion during one of our RCAA session, sessions that was you know, deep or complex, as they so often are, it was great to be able to um, you know, talk to Madison about it afterwards and ask her questions. And uh, you know, sometimes it uh, sounds smarter than I am at the next session. Is uh, <laughs> oh, Jeep and uh, ask her what he's talking about. He did ask me, what questions should I ask? What <laughs> <laughs> should I ask next time? I'm like, but, uh, but no, it was, it was great overall, and I think she really enriched, uh, enriched the experience, and I was able to get more out of it, um, because they were over Zoom uh, this summer, which presented some unique challenges, but um, overall, uh, you know, having her by my side throughout the process was great. Wow, that's great. I definitely, with RCA or anything, it's, you know, you can go through it with someone, it really just helps so much. That's so great to hear, thank you. Um, so Kevin and Meredith, how was the marriage preparation slash process with the Catholic Church like? It was awesome. Yeah. Um, we actually went through a, a couple here. Other than the marriage prep that you do with your priest, which is extremely valuable and awesome as well, um, you do, well, you can choose a variety of ways to go through marriage prep. And I think one was so, so a retreat. Can, yeah, you can do a one weekend <clears throat> retreat. Um, you can do all of your meetings with a priest, right? Uh, maybe. Okay. It doesn't matter. And then the other option was you can have a sponsor couple that will do dedicated sessions with you. Um, so we went the sponsor couple route. Um, we used Pete and Lori Payton, they're parishioners here. Um, they are little older, their kids are grown, um, so they have a lot of perspective on life. 
they've grown to become our kind of parents away from home almost. We will go and do dinner with them like once a month and they'll have us over and like cook us a meal and everything. And um, I think having them was great just to ask them any and every question we could think of. How did y'all get through this? How did you deal with that? Um, and then at the same time, we met with our priest for the uh, obligation of, I think it was, how many total meetings was it? Like four, four, four or five times um, for the priest that was going to marry us. And so um, in those sessions, it was, yeah, just very enriching, um, just open and honest throughout. Um, yeah. All in all, very good. I think it well prepared us for our marriage. Um, trying to think of some examples where we really got a lot out of it. Like one, uh, and so this is all like curriculum that the Catholic Church has, right? So it's all packaged together and um, put together for you, right? One of our kind of chapters of our preparation that we went through was... Um, differences in your family and how you grew up right it's a big thing when you get married you'll, <laughs> you'll learn um and so just yeah differences of like how did you I mean it could be small stuff or like did you do like a turkey at Thanksgiving or like a ham at Christmas right like those are like real <laughs> hot button items when you get married you're like how are we going to do this right to like the really deep stuff of like how did you deal with conflict, right? Like, uh, did, did family life deal with right? It's like things. Meredith's family, for example, whenever there was conflict, they wanted to hash it out and deal with it like right away, right then, right there, right. And if you fought in front of somebody, you better make up in front of them. Yeah. So really, just like in each other's grill, like in in a good way. Like they wouldn't leave each other alone until the conflict was resolved, right? My family. Uh, we would have conflict and then separate for like days just to like process right and then come back together and reconcile right so the point I'm trying to make is uh, the Catholic faith and preparation is just so so rich and like thinking about these things before we found ourselves in those situations like very well uh, prepared us so anyone who is getting married or thinking about going through the preparation process you would 10 out of 10 recommend um, sponsor couple or just or, the whole yeah, the, the whole, whole process like, getting married in the church however you decide to play it out whether it's a weekend retreat or um, doing a sponsor couple or whatever it is uh, take full advantage of the materials that the Catholic Church has uh, to prepare you to have a happy and loving marriage wow no, that's great to hear I'm happy to hear that you know, as you go into the sacrament of matrimony, they really help with preparing. That is so great. Thank you. Okay, so I have a question for all of you. And what I'm wondering is, how does your vocation affect your prayer life? And any of you can go first. <laughs> well, I think that life and prayer aren't, there's not a disconnect, there shouldn't be a disconnect. Jesus wants us to take everything to him. And I think it's the bits that we don't take to him that we get in trouble with. So we need to bring everything to him. That's 
that's it. And a lot of stuff we can't deal with, um, but he can. And if we let him, we can see that he does, just, just amazingly. So,
um, which has really helped is like those little things that you do for your spouse like on a daily basis just bringing that to prayer especially when you're feeling impatient or um, frustrated rather than making that a conflict between us more or less like just saying okay lord like you deal with it just yeah deal with it help me help me finish this task and and then let it be done because it's not important at the end of the day that i get frustrated or that you get frustrated for something minimal i think think too you get opportunities to pray for your spouse because you're so close to that person and you know the things that they have going on or their hopes and dreams right so if meredith is uh going to an audition or uh, going to teach a class or whatever it is, you know, I get to partake in that and like pray for her um, in those activities as well. So yeah, a lot of good opportunities for prayer in uh, marriage. That's, those are all great answers. And it just shows that no matter what vocation you take on or what you feel called to do, prayer is essential to it. And so thank you so much for all of that insight. All right. So, Sister Dominga, we're wondering, did you date before you chose this life? Ooh, good question. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not exactly sure what date means in American because (laughs) I'm English. But did I have boyfriends? Yes. (laughs) I'll stop there. (laughs) Thank you for your honesty. (laughs) Oh, okay. So, Madison Alex, um, how did you set up boundaries and keep them while honoring God? <laughs> the good stuff. Um, well, okay. So, in the beginning of our relationship, Alex mentioned that I was—I really had my like conversion moments back to the church in like college and a, a few years after college, and that was something that. I had gone on a journey in my life and decided to make different decisions and decided to pursue chastity and really look at my life differently. And that was something that had become extremely important to me. So when we started dating, um, I was very intense (laughs) about just my faith and the things that were important to me. And kind of just said my expectations of, like, here's the way I want to live, and here's the life I'm, like, pursuing within my faith. And, um, I mean, obviously, he had the option to, like, if that was good with him or if that was not something that you wanted to do. So because we were at a little bit different places in our faith journey, I would say in the beginning it was not as easy to set boundaries um, because I think we were in different places to understand like what those boundaries needed to be. So it had we had a lot of communication and talked a lot about our faith and like theology of the body and the importance of setting boundaries and what those should look like. And I think it was just a lot of back and forth communication um and of course like we're not perfect and I think it's just all it was all communication of like how do we make sure that we can strive to call each other to holiness 
and because that's the ultimate goal and we wanted to be able to do that through our relationship yeah I think you know now one of the questions that we ask ourselves with regards to I guess physical things is you know is this going to uh, cause unnecessary temptation is this going to lead us to sin um, and if it is we avoid it but we avoid it entirely um, so that's been something that's you know that we've just developed over time it was not there right away of course um, but through uh, a bunch of uh, genuine conversations um, we've kind of arrived at that point and we find that to be you know very helpful um, even if we're going on a trip or something like that you know we're not going to stay in the same bed you know it just up front, we were really intentional about it um, and had that conversation um, to really just remove the temptation entirely. Yeah, and a, a book that I read that I love is by Dr. Edward Sree, and it's called Men, Men, Women, and the Mystery of Love. And it's basically, he breaks down um, Pope John Paul II's love and responsibility, and it talks a lot about relationships and um, just like, physicality relationships like the cycle of use and all of that so that was a really helpful book that helped me come to terms with everything and the way the catholic church teaches um about relationships and it was such a beautiful experience and i wish that i have, would have read that book years and years and years ago so if you're like still not in full understanding of what we teach about relationships i highly recommend that book Yes, thank you. Communication is really important, especially with establishing boundaries. And thank you for letting us know how it's been for y'all. Um, okay, so Kevin and Meredith, could you tell us some things that have been challenging but have been rewarding since being married? COVID. <laughs> right, uh, COVID. So we were in a long-distance relationship, like we said before, and then I moved to Atlanta and didn't have a job, and you were stuck in the same house. It's really, um, really a 1,200-foot, uh, square-foot apartment, yeah. so, like, really on top of each other. Yeah, that it was, was just a complete flip, um, and he was still working from home, so that was interesting. Um, can you repeat the question one more time? I'm sorry. <laughs> so, what have been some challenging but rewarding things since being married? Yeah, so it was challenging, I would say, but I think it was really good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed our time together. It was fun. Um, we have fun. Uh, um, yeah, we try not to be too serious. Yeah, humor helps a lot. Um, I don't know. We've, I mean, challenging. I mean, being, being, I a lot of things are challenging. Being but, a different family, maybe. So what? Yeah, I mean. Yeah. I mean I, I moved away from my entire families in New Orleans, so that was challenging um, to leave and to leave a job and pretty much everything. <laughs> but it's been rewarding to be with you. Yeah. Rewarding because we had to grow together and learn to depend on each other as a family. Yeah. Um, no, I promise you it's not as easy as we're making it seem. <laughs> we're not um, problems. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. No, those are really great. Thanks. I said, sorry, we don't have anything like major to say to that. I mean, I guess we've just been blessed to not have really big challenges. I feel like we have more challenges in our dating life than we 
have as a married couple? Yeah, no, it's good. Those are really good things that you talked about, especially when you're like leaving and cleaving and all of that. That's so big when it comes to marriage, and I'm happy it's been a really good time so far. All right, so Sister Dominga, when you were discerning religious life and entering, how did your family take it? And do you have any tips on breaking the news to a less than supportive family? I think I have to pray a lot. Um, yeah, my family wasn't very happy about it. Um, I think families want you to be happy. And when they see that you're happy, then they come around. So I think that's, that's the main thing. And how you tell them is just, uh, you know, you have to, um, I was working in London and um, my father, Yeah, he was. He was. He also had an office in London that also, and he came up quite a lot, and he called me and said, "Could we have lunch together one day?" So I knew this is when I have to tell him because I'm running out of time here, and I was really petrified by the whole thing, and uh, I called up a cousin of his who was always very fond of him, and I explained my situation, and I said, can you be at lunch too? <laughs> <laughs> he said, don't worry, I'll be there. So, um, then my father called me, he said, uh, do you mind, Leslie wants to come to lunch with us. And I said, no, no, that's <laughs> And uh, so we went to lunch, and I was struck down. Completely, I couldn't speak, I couldn't say anything at all. I sat there, and my father supplied for all of us. <laughs> and somewhere in the middle of this conversation, my father mentioned in passing Mother Teresa of Calcutta. I felt even worse and even more dumb at that point. And Leslie said, who is Mother Teresa of Calcutta? To try and get him back on course, and my father said, well, everybody knows that. And Leslie said, well, I don't. Tell me about her. So my father started to speak. And at that point, I heard a kind of squeaking voice come out of my head saying, I'm going to be one of her sisters. <laughs> <laughs> and then my father was struck down. <laughs> and Leslie said, is this a sudden thing? Or have you been thinking about it for some time? For some time. <laughs> And so the conversation went on, so it's not easy. <laughs> That's amazing how God used your cousin to bring in, and the fact that Mother Teresa came up in the conversation naturally. That's amazing. Wow. I know that there are people who've been in that position. Thank you so much for sharing, and I know that they don't feel alone. <laughs> okay, so for our dating and married couples, we have a question. Um, how do you balance friends, family, work, and alone time with relationship? Uh, you just have to figure out what your priorities are in your life. And obviously your family and your relationships 
will come first and before work. So I would say keeping those priorities in mind, but for us, I mean, when we first started dating, he was in investment banking and working like, what, 70 to 80 hours a week? And it was ridiculous. And it, I mean, I think that our relationship has improved since you left because he's been not tired all the time. <laughs> but I would say prioritizing your family because we both, I mean, that's important to us both. So we try to spend each other, time with each other and each other's family and understanding that we have jobs and we need to be able to keep our jobs. So doing what we can to provide for our future, but then also keeping the lens of what's actually important in life. Yeah, I also think, you know, being supportive and understanding that, you know, there's, yes, while our relationship is important, there's other facets, uh, things to life. So, you know, when Madison's particularly engaged with, with work, um, and you know, maybe she can't like, go to dinner or hang out, you know, I completely understand that, and I try to be as supportive as possible, and she's certainly been very supportive to me, and, uh, helpful for me, uh, helpful to me in understanding when I uh, was not as available uh, as she would have liked uh, when I was working a lot. And then I think also with, on, the, on the friends piece, I think uh, we've emphasized um, really establishing a community um, of, kind of Catholic friends who share similar values. Um, and I think that is, is super beneficial because um, it, it allows you to further your faith and hang out with you know like-minded people um, who value the same things, and um, I think it, that aspect that we've kind of focused on um, has really uh, helped out you know in my job life uh, and in my family life as well. So. Um, yeah, so we, our families are not here, so it's just us. Um, so we try, in terms of balancing our family life and our relationship, like I mentioned before, we've been together a lot because of COVID. Um, and so we haven't had a problem with alone time with each other. And I think we, we don't, we, we have some friends who will pick a night of the week and they will probably never hang out with you on a Tuesday night because they're always gonna go to do a date night on Tuesday night. And that's totally cool. I know some people who do that. We're we're a little less la or more lax on that. We we don't really have a date night, but every once in a while we'll be like, hey, like we haven't actually sat we've sat down and ate dinner together every single night this week. But we haven't sat down and talked. So um, we'll we'll make it a point to do that. And then with our families not being close. We, we try to see each of our families maybe once every two months, at least. Um, sometimes more, sometimes less. And because of COVID, you know, we were able to drive and stay with them for some extended time, which was nice to have that family time. Um, but also just getting to see them maybe on the weekends or something. And then with our friends, like they said, like we have We've established a community really here at CTK, which has been great, um, with people who are like-minded. We enjoy, you know, the company, and 
yeah, it's things like this. I mean, like we see friends here right now. So um, being able to do that and experience that. Like, you know. I think uh, I think it's just all about communication. I think you need to have your priorities set. I think y'all laid them out pretty well. Um, I think if I had to spitball here, it'd be faith, marriage, family, friends, work, in my mind, what's important, right? Uh, but then you have to have that constant communication woven throughout, right? That anytime any of those get skewed or out of balance, let's talk about it, right? Like, we haven't done a date night in a while, or, hey, I'm feeling really run down, I just need some alone time, or, um, you know, I'm just really missing my family, or, um, you know, I haven't really grown my faith in a long time. Like, what do you think about if we did this Bible study or if I go to this event? Um, so I think it's have your priorities set, whatever that is for you, right? And then anytime they start to get out of balance, you just have to have that constant communication to keep it in check. Those are great answers. And yeah, time management and prioritizing are so important in every relationship or friendship or anything. But yeah, thank you. Okay, Sister Domingo, um, do you have any advice for anyone who feels the call to join religious life? I think it must be the same advice for any any state of life. I think we save a lot of time, tears, and trouble if we just ask God. He created each one of us, um, and He calls He has a special plan for each one of us that we experience as we we live it. And just to ask Him what it is, and ask Him for the grace to be to be ready for it, whatever it is. Because he puts, he gives us gifts, he gives us weaknesses, he gives us people, he gives us situations, and it all comes out in there. And I just need to to believe in his love for me, and that he has a plan, and he knows what he's doing, and help me to say yes, because I'm going to be happy like that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. So, Madison and Alex, what advice would you give to someone who has never been in a relationship and is searching for one? Um, so I would say, you know, so my experience, I guess more broadly in life, kind of with different phases, is that, um, you know, number one, uh, you know, trust God and, and give it up to Him. And I think, I think things that are supposed to happen and that are part of His plan will feel easy um, and they'll feel right and they won't feel forced and that's certainly happened with things um, like my relationship with Madison a job I recently took so I would say you know don't put pressure on yourself don't be someone you're not you know don't try to fit the mold of maybe someone that you're uh, someone that you're interested in just uh, you know trust God and be patient and you know when it's when it's time I think will come easy and, and feel right. I have two things. So <laughs> the first thing is to just obviously be yourself and don't, again, put the pressure on yourself. 
And, but also to not, again, like settle into something that you and your heart know is not right. Because when you ask God what you want in my life and what do you want for me, you'll know. And I know that that's like a very ambiguous thing. Um, but I feel in my experience that deep down in my heart, I've always really known um, about certain situations. And the other thing I would say is to not expect people to be perfect. And that's something that I struggle with of this perfect Catholic man's going to fall from the sky or something. And he's going to have his whole life figured out and be so humble and kind and like, volunteer all this time like the things that just like aren't necessarily realistic so my biggest piece of advice would be to give people a chance because everybody's growing and everybody's on their own unique faith journey so if you're seeking relationship realize that I mean I'm not perfect the person that you're going to meet is probably not perfect and if well probably not they're not perfect (laughs) (laughs) I can guarantee it um, but just to give people a chance and let people prove you wrong. Um, and statistically, I mean, we're all young adults. Female brains don't actually mature until like mid 20s and male brains don't mature until late 20s to early 30s. So you're really not fully cooked in, <laughs> until you're in your late 20s. So give people a chance to mature and to grow and give them give them a shot instead of just looking at someone and saying, I don't know. I would say just just see what happens. Yeah, if y'all have anything you want to add to that. I think they nailed it. (laughs) Sounds good. That's really good advice. I like that you said no one's perfect because it's true and it's so easy sometimes, you know, just to, I don't know, like sometimes you feel like you just shoot things down. It's like, oh, maybe I can give it a chance. You never know. It's all just in God's plan. Okay, so for Kevin and Meredith, um, as a married couple, how do you approach the subject of having a family? You leave it up to God. <laughs> um, That's so broad. <laughs> I know. Come on. No, we, we've, uh, <laughs> we go, do better. Um, <laughs> so we talk about it very often. Um, and we follow natural family planning, uh, which is a great system to keep you talking about uh, a family, right? And your plans for a family. Um, I think that's a question in here, so I may just go ahead and like talk about natural family planning since it's kind of related. Um, yeah, so if you don't know about natural family planning, um, it is the kind of Catholic approved uh, way of planning your family, right? Uh, there's no contraception um, involved. Um, it is very backed by uh, science, scientific research. There's a whole methodology uh, around it. Happy to talk about any details if anyone has any questions. I know I did before I got married. Happy to talk about it. Um, how it kind of ties into the question is, um, you know, every month there are cycles where you can get pregnant and have a baby. And so as a couple, you have to talk about that and <clears throat> plan for it. Um, and following the system, uh, one of the, the very good blessing of it is 
it forces you to talk about it at least once a month. So uh, we talk about it more uh, often than, than that. Um, there's a lot of factors uh, that go into it. You know, what, what stage of life are we in? Where are we living? Um, what kind of work demands do we have on us? Um, how large of a family do we want to have? How many years of uh, fertility and childbearing do we have? All those factors go into it. Um, so I think the short answer would be we talk about it a lot. There's a lot of communication um, and natural family planning is a great system um, and to kind of bring about those fruits of increased communication with respect to planning family. And I know you mentioned like how how do we talk about or how do we decide? Um, I wouldn't say it's really like, like Kevin said it's a monthly decision. It's a weekly decision. It is a talk about it all the time kind of decision, but there were some things in place like before we got married that we said, hey, like we really, really would like to own a house before we have a kid. That was just something that was important to us. And so that that was just one of our reasons, I guess, so to speak, to abstain at certain times, um, just being fully honest here. And then you know, I before I moved here, I was in a dance company, so I was dancing. So I was like, I need my body for my job. So if I get pregnant, I no longer have a job. Um, now that has turned a little bit because of, once again, COVID, thank you, COVID. Um, but I'm still teaching fitness classes and working at the fitness studio. So it's just something for me that it, my career, not that I ever wanted to come in to stop us from having a family. Um, but it was something in the forefront of my mind when when we discussed family. Um, but once again, like I said, if it's God's plan, it's gonna happen, so not too worried about it. He's got it. <laughs> Thank you for being so vulnerable about a subject like that. I think we all really appreciate it. Okay, so one final question before we open it up to the audience. Um, this is more so just a general question, um, and it's for everyone on the panel. Um, what has God taught you in the past year through the challenges of 2020? We experienced um, so many things. First of all, is fidelity. Priests made incredible sacrifices to come to offer Holy Mass for us, to offer us the sacraments. Uh, it is really, it's really very moving that they did that. And that's God's, God's love for us. Um, specifically here in Atlanta, we have, the, as I said, we have the, res the ladies' residences, like, uh, it's about as close as the end of the stage in that wall over there, at the, their house. And the ladies love to come to mass, but now you can't have more than, what is it, 12 people in the house, and, and some of our volunteers, the only way they come to mass was to come to our house. So we had, uh, we had two priests, one in one house and one in the other. And that's uh, so many things. People who were, elderly and vulnerable themselves went out shopping for us. 
um, partly because we we also didn't we didn't want to we didn't want to go out because of the ladies could we could bring something back for them um, we didn't want them to get caught by the other lady on oxygen um, that was one of the I mean so many experiences the strength of um, that Jesus was with us in the Eucharist all the time that we um, and that we were together so many people isolated in this time and we weren't experiencing even more closely knit together through various all the things that happened um, and it was actually a time when because we have a very active apostle here in Atlanta as I briefly sketched to you especially in the beginning the, the serious lockdown in March and April we had more time for prayer we had more time to be alone it was wonderful. It was a pure luxury. Um, uh, so those are some of the things that we experienced. And then we got COVID. And it was wonderful because <laughs> four of us got it first. And so we were isolated in the convent and the other sisters went to live with the ladies. And uh, our doctor told us, sister, you have to be prepared for the fact that some of the ladies are going to die. Because their health is seriously compromised by so many things, not just AIDS. And then when we got better, literally it was the same, same day the doctor gave us permission to come out of quarantine, the others got sick. And uh, so we, we kind of exchanged places. And the ladies, the ladies all got it. And the ladies were fine, they all came through it, including Adrian, Adrian of Oxygen. They came through with flying colors. Um, it's beautiful, um, it was just a very beautiful experience. Everyone was concerned, our doctor made us give reports every day about you know, oxygen level and blah, blah. And IDP, the Grady's Clinic, they came out three times for the ladies. One lady who had gone, Beverly had gone into hospital just before all this happened with um, heart problems. So she obviously didn't have COVID. Brady kept her there so that she wouldn't come back until everybody was okay. And then one lady tested, all the ladies tested negative to begin with, but one lady, Connie, tested positive and Grady took her and kept her. She did quarantine for thing in the, Brady. So she said she was happy to come back to home cooking after that. But, so I think we experienced the closeness of God and his, his tenderness very strongly during this past year. It was like inescapable. Um, so in addition to the COVID issues, it's definitely been a tumultuous year from a, you know, all the things that are going on from a political socioeconomic instability standpoint. And one thing that I think God has taught me is the importance of not judging others and kind of interjecting yourself um, in, in, in their affairs um, and really just focusing inward. And for me, that's really been you know, a challenge over the past year. Uh, there's been plenty of times where you know, someone said something I disagree with and I wanted to immediately <laughs> snap in and opine and say you're wrong. But is uh, you know reprehensible, but again, uh, you know I've read like countless times, and, 
chose not to do that. You know, we had no room to, to judge our brothers and sisters. So, uh, and I found when I'm really, uh, I guess, focused on my faith and um, you know, have, have, have God in the forefront, that I'm way less likely to do that. And I'm more like Godly. I'm, <laughs> I'm a, kind of a, a screwed up guy myself. Um, so why don't I focus on, um, you know, improving myself from a spiritual standpoint, um, you know, how I treat other people uh, before I uh, look at someone else and, and judge them. I think for me, it was just a beautiful opportunity for everything else to be kind of stripped away and left with just the bare bones of life and resetting based on my priorities in life and my faith and rebuilding in areas that might have been compromised in the hustle and bustle of pre-COVID life. So I found myself with a lot more time to be reflective and to pray and I started praying the rosary more and just really got back into a place where I felt good about my faith life and just was reading more and it was it was like a blessing in disguise for me because I needed that pause and I think that that was the time that God was like all right we're gonna we're gonna do a little reset here and it's not like I was totally astray or doing anything crazy but it was just a nice time to reacquaint myself with my priorities and with my faith and kind of lay the groundwork again which has been a beautiful thing I think yeah I think uh, I think Madison nailed it with priorities um, <clears throat> I think for me and just the world in general it's a huge wake-up call right like what are we placing our faith in right um, like our lasting faith um, you know so many we have so many different identities and things that we put our faith in right <clears throat> maybe it's money right if I have enough money I'll have this security and have this house whatever well 2020 showed us stock market can go overnight you know people were out of a job overnight you know um, maybe I'm putting it into you know my social life and all my friends and don't get me wrong all these things are great things to have, um, but I think it's when you start to place them as your identity that it becomes like idolatry, right? So maybe it's like, I put my faith in my friends, right, and hanging out with them and how popular I am, right? Well, that went overnight, right? Or my family. Family's great, um, but if that's my rock and like my faith, be all end all, like that was gone overnight. We couldn't see our families or anything, right? Is it my health or like fitness or whatever global pandemic the little virus comes like that was gone overnight right so I think for me it was a wake-up call of all of these things can be stripped away like literally overnight right so it's just a wake-up call to say okay well, what am I gonna place my faith in what's what's my rock and my identity right um, yeah I think I think for me it it taught me kind of, I would stretch myself really thin. Um, and it was a complete pause when I moved here and then three weeks later shut down. So it was like, 
my whole life was just like all of a sudden not a lot after it was always so busy. Um, so yeah, time, like you said, for reflection, although I'm, it's my weakness. I really don't like reflecting. Um, but yeah, so just being able to, I think saying no after 2020, like being able to say like, I'm gonna take this time for me or I'm gonna take this time for a relationship or um, I'm still working on it. It's not great, but it's definitely gotten better. So that's what 2020 has taught me. All right, thank you. Yeah, 2020 was a roller coaster of a year and it's great to hear what we've all learned from it. You can learn so much even through all the trials and tribulations. Okay, so we're gonna open up to the audience. If any of y'all have any questions, just raise your hand and we can definitely get that all settled. <laughs> Don't be shy. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Well, you have, you have to notice him. He's there. Um, he waits for us. He longs for us. He waits for our, our attention to notice him. And sometimes he throws us curveballs so that we, we stop what we're doing. <laughs> we notice our need for him. That I can't that I can't do this. Or it also helps um, it helps to have regular times for prayer. To be um, so they both couples mentioned that they need time together it's important communication so with god it's the same thing that i need time especially with him to be able to to recognize him and to respond to him and sometimes it's only when we look back at the end of the day that we see where he was and that i didn't recognize him but he's he's calling me to grow in that so time spent um, Eucharistic adoration, obviously Mass, because at Mass I offer myself completely to him and he gives himself completely to me. Um, I think Meredith mentioned praying the rosary. It's a, it's a beautiful way of, uh, of in a, being in our lady's heart and meditating on the scriptures. So different ways of prayer. And then during the day, I could say little prayers to help me to, to be open to where he is. Or sometimes it's just, it's very plain, it's very clear. Or he speaks to us through someone, what somebody says. I'm, I've been asking a question for some time and somebody comes along who doesn't know anything about this and they say something. That's the answer to this question. 
It means, in my case, it's often very obvious that I needed someone to say it to me, but I know, yeah, that he's, he's, so, and for us particularly, we're called to find him in the poorest of the poor. I think, I, I don't know, I think that's very easy, because he's very evident there. In other situations, it's maybe not so evident. Um, our ladies suffer a lot. Uh, the people that we work with suffer a great deal. And so it's not difficult to find him in them and to try to, to comfort him, to be with him in that person. Sorry, long answer to short question. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much. Yes. So for Kevin and Meredith, so when you were going to be um, through the uh, uh, marriage prep? Yes, yeah, the marriage prep. I mean, obviously this wouldn't apply to me quite yet because I'm not in a relationship and don't know anybody yet, but if I'm in the situation, how exactly would you explain to the priest? Because you know how you talked about how, like, um, Fam, like families, um, uh, like like background stuff, and how they like since coming from very different families can be quite a conflict. Yeah. So, uh, how do you explain to the priest that you were raised by monkeys? <laughs> I mean, not you, but I mean, because uh, don't think I've ever observed a human couple uh, grooming each other to settle conflicts. Um. <laughs> um. I I would say I mean. So I, I would say just be open and honest about whatever background, you know, uh, that, that you come from, what you've learned, the habits that you've picked up, whatever. Um, I think we were just super blessed throughout the whole process, uh, everyone that we worked with, and that, um, yeah, just always a spirit of openness and honesty and, and, like, no judgment. We never felt that at all. So I would just say... Um, coming to the table with that spirit is uh, really good and that'll um, set you up for success for having that in your relationship. And also, as I mentioned earlier, like obviously no one's perfect, so then um, coming, recognizing your own family's like faults, and because um, we all have them, and then being able to, you know, sit like, Bringing, like we said, bringing God into those moments and saying, like, how can, how can we work through this, and how, how can I maybe not bring this into my marriage because I don't want to, not because it's not going to happen, because it probably will, because it's where you came from. Um, but how do I, how do I try to, how do I try to avoid bringing too much of this into my marriage? Oh, good thing monkeys are similar to humans. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Are there any other questions? Yes, Benny. Yes, my my question is for the uh, married couple. Uh, at what point did you guys feel comfortable sharing each other's Netflix passwords? <laughs> <laughs> we use my brothers. <laughs> okay. Now, now my actual question. That's an awesome question. Uh, that's important to know. Um, 
So when you were doing the marriage prep, I'm sure you know the whole your sponsor couple you know gave you advice on you know what are the secrets to a lasting marriage. What would you say is one of the biggest pieces of advice that you got from either your sponsor couple or from maybe you know a couple that's been married 50 plus years? I would say our marriage prep couple of life. Every time um, she got really frustrated or angry, she would say, "We just need to pray." And I think we've done that. <laughs> that was when the husband knew he was really in trouble. She said, we need um, to pray. But I think it's true. Um, and, it, and it kind of, one, lightens the situation. And then two, sometimes you're okay with talking to God about something and you're not sure if you want to talk to your spouse about it. But if you pray together about it, well, your eyes are closed, you're not looking at them, you're talking to God, but he's listening. So... I think that was a good thing totally. for them. Yeah, it totally just like transforms the situation. Yeah, that's cool. I think humor too. Humor is good. Yeah, like just, you know, we, we come into it and we recognize that we are not perfect people and we have all these weird, quirky faults and things that we do. I leave my socks in the, you know, sofa. I leave all the doors open. Meredith does not believe doors are meant to close. It's actually not, they're not designed to close in her mind. Uh, Everyone's but, welcome whenever, just come on. Yeah, open door policy. But yeah, I think if you come in and recognize that we have faults and we're not perfect people, which I think that comes from your faith base, uh, then an element of like humor enters into that, right? You're like, oh, you're, you're so weird, you leave doors open, and then we laugh about it.
and that was like a sign that it wasn't the right thing for us and like thanks be to God eventually we discerned that that was the case um, I think advice I would give people who are thinking about living together before you're married is that your question is that what you meant I guess some people some say you know we're dating we really like each other why don't we just start living together okay. it's cheaper you know it's, mm-hmm. it's more comfortable it's great we'll try it out yeah. um, but you guys are on the other side of that commitment what's the difference in your experience between just being together and actually being married yeah you can go ahead sorry yeah I think the advice I would give and like coming out on the other side is it, it almost like spoils it a little bit like uh, our marriage and journey was such this exciting um, unknown new thing right um, and that comes with the lifelong commitment that we're making to each other um, and so I think to have all of that included with uh, that lifelong commitment made it more special, right? Where there, we hit a point in time where we had to say, I don't know what it's going to be like living with you, right? <laughs> I don't know, you know, how you're going to leave your toothbrush all over the sink, but I love you more than whatever baggage you're bringing with you um, when we move in together, right? And so I think it's getting, not getting the cart before the horse, right? The the love and lifelong commitment has to be there first, and then all that stuff flows after it. Yeah, because the little things you'll compromise about, or you'll come to a solution for, once you know that that commitment's there, I feel like people who decide they just want to move in to try it out, well, there's going to be things that bother you. There's going to be situations that you're like, oh, can I really live with this? Well, yes, you really can. It's really not that big of a deal that doors always left open or the socks are always in the couch but but people will make it out to be a bigger deal and then also maybe use that as an excuse for maybe a different reason why the relationship wasn't going to work out um, rather than really looking at the root of why isn't this going to work or why could it work I think too I'll just add from a guy's perspective I think had we lived together before we were married I might not have been as motivated to get married as quickly because it would have been, okay, we're living together, things are good, it's convenient, you know, why am I gonna lock myself into this or make this big commitment or whatever? We're basically basically already (laughs) married, right? Um, But again, I think having the priorities in order um, to commit first, have that love and lifelong commitment um, and then you know live together was the proper order and I think that carries over to like everything in your marriage right because you can't like go through your marriage and have this checkbox of like okay well I'm gonna love your fun personality but you know I'm not gonna love your quick temper right or I'm gonna love how artistic and creative you are, but I'm not going to love that you're not very outgoing, right? No, you have to love like the whole person except the whole package together, right? So I think with living together, um, you have to have that in place first and then 
all follows. And that's not to say like, oh, just jump into marriage because you want to live with somebody or like want to be in the same house as them. Um, you still have to very much know that person and try to get to know them as fully as you can before that. That's a great response. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes. Um, for either couple, really, um, how early on in your relationship did you start discussing the important things and like the things that are difficult to discuss in a relationship? I was really overzealous with those types of things because I was like of the mindset, which is not necessarily the right thing. Because I think that there's you have to give people the time to grow and trust with you, um, but. I went in hot and I was like, I need to know these things because I'm not wasting my time. If you are not on board, then bye. Um, but realistically, I think you have your foundational things that you're not willing to compromise. And if that's your faith, then that needs to be something that's an, an immediate, in my opinion, thing that's brought up. Like if you, why pursue something? Why pursue relationship? Why pursue something that should end in marriage if that's your goal, if that's your vocation in life? Why pursue it with somebody that you know it's not going to work with? Um, I once dated a guy for a couple months, and he was pretty much atheist, and great guy, really funny, and at one point we were just like, this, like, this is, why are we doing this? Like, this is never going to work. Um, so I would say that that is your number one thing that should be aligned from the beginning. I mean, it doesn't need to be, um, I know people that are in very fruitful relationships that aren't both Catholic. They might be Catholic and, um, another denomination of Christianity, but I think that those foundational things need to be the base of your relationship. So that definitely is like a right away thing for me. Um, and then like the other stuff that is maybe like past traumas, like heartaches, like the stuff that comes off your baggage, like practice emotional chastity with that stuff. Like you don't need to dump everything on somebody on the first date. You can wait to get to know somebody. And if there are things that you want to share over time and you're not comfortable right away, then you have your whole life to share those things with that person. But yeah, I would say the foundational things, not to like dive head first and go super deep into them, but just make sure they're there. Yeah, I agree with that. So I think it was like our second date when we were like, I want to get married one day, I want to have children one day. Um, I want to make sure that you raise your children in the Catholic faith, and that was really important. Um, I think we both dated people who were not Catholic prior, so we knew that that was, as soon as we said, he was like, oh, I'm Catholic. So. I also filtered to Catholics. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that helps too. Yeah. Filters help. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure where it came from. <laughs> yes, Kathleen? So I think, uh, you know, throughout my life, the times, so I was kind of off and on. Um, 
the times when I really prioritized my relationship with God and uh, was diligent about you know, going to Mass and my prayer life are the times I felt the most fulfilled. And I think, you know, as things would come up, you know, I'd move to a new city, start a new job, all that, it was really easy to kind of lose track of that, those priorities. And things would be like going well in my life, but I was always, I would always feel kind of a certain emptiness, be like, you know, what's wrong, what's wrong? Um, you know, everything's going well. And I think with Madison, um, she initially struck me as like a very happy, uh, energetic person. And I think, you know, her relationship with Christ had a lot to do with that. So it was really more of a motivating factor for me. Um, you know, I never think that you should, and she's expressed this too, it's like, don't get confirmed because of me, don't do X, Y, Z because of me. And, you know, that certainly hasn't been the case um, in my experience. Uh, you know, I saw, and this is with other people too, saw just how kind of fulfilled and how amazing of lives they were living, even if they didn't have a great job or lot of money or whatever, and it was that relationship with God. Um, I saw that and I wanted that, so I decided to pursue it. One thing that when these things would come up and we would have differences, and I was like in 100% like on the Catholic boat, and the things that would come up, it would always be like, this is the way that the church teaches us these things um, and this is what the church teaches and this is like the way I'm leading my life he was never like oh no no it was you always wanted more like that was always something that you would say in the beginning of like you wanted that life like you wanted the relationship you wanted to grow in your faith and I think even from the beginning when we had Sometimes where it was like, okay, well, let's talk this through. It was always something that, in the end, it's like, no, I want to live like this life. I want to be Catholic. I want to live for Christ. So, yeah, it's certainly it's both people. It's certainly more of a, a challenging life, right? There's self denial, um, and I—that's something I wasn't really used to, kind of in past like, uh, dating experiences. Um, so it was, you know, Madison really challenged me there. The initial struggle with me was just kind of accepting that, and you know, you know, anything worth having, there's going to be a struggle and it's going to be difficult. So, yeah, thank you so much. Um, yes, we can take one more question. Uh, I'm just going to ask Sister Dominga, um, how can we assist the women that you work with um, and your fellow sisters? Um, is there anything that you all need, especially during this COVID time? Well, um, prayers to start with, you could certainly do that. And um, if we weren't in a kind of COVID situation, I would tell you to, to come, come and see, come pray with us, come and visit. But I think right now, it's unfortunately, it's, it's not possible. But if we, if we get out of this situation, please come. Um, Father John Paul knows that we can keep people busy numbers of people busy <laughs> so it doesn't um, and it's you know our poor people teach us so much and they're such great 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 people they're so wonderful I mean they can be very irritating too <laughs> you know what it is but this yeah 
just share one quick story, because it's nice and it's true. Um, we had a lady who had a really very nasty mouth when she came to us. It was really horrible. <laughs> um, and uh, she went on and then she wanted to be baptized. And we said, if you want to be baptized, you cannot have that mouth. Absolutely no. <laughs> so it was a struggle for her. Anyway, she was baptized and then she got sicker and she was in a room with another lady who we called Grandma because she was the oldest lady in the house. <laughs> And Grandma died, and I wasn't—I wasn't there when this happened. But the sister was there. I asked. Um, I think her name was Kimberly. Kimberly, are you sad that Grandma died? And she said, "Yeah." She said, "Well, talk to Jesus about it." And the sister went out of the room, and after a while, she came back, and she said, "Kimberly, did you talk to Jesus about Grandma?" Yeah, I did. Well, what did he say? He said, don't worry, I'm coming for you soon. <laughs> <laughs> and she died not long after. Yeah. I mean, please, when you can, come and visit. <laughs> Absolutely. That sounds wonderful. Oh, hi. Thank you so, so much. Um, so before we go, let's give a round of applause to our amazing panel.